Because I used to know stuff, man. I used to know stuff. Before I was married, I knew stuff. I used to know all the new rock and roll bands. I used to be into it, McFly and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know any of the new rock and roll bands anymore because nobody sings songs for married people. All the songs nowadays are stuff like, I met you today and I want to shag you right now. <laughs> and that don't speak to me. And if it did, I'd be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Nobody rocks out to marriage. Nobody's in the garage singing about love that never ends and goes on until you die. <laughs> Nobody's sitting there going, we've been together for 16 years and we've got our health. <laughs> I can't afford to leave you now. <laughs> Compromise killed my dreams. <laughs> See, some people can laugh at that. A lot of people right now are looking at me going, that's a little close to the bone, Tom. You're talking about us. Because I know there's a woman in this room right now probably looking at her man going, you don't feel that way about me, do you? <laughs> I didn't compromise your dreams, did I? <laughs> your dreams get compromised. As soon as you have kids, I had two kids, so when my dreams went out the window, I had to give my dreams to them. I had two kids, man, and it's weird. I only thought I was have one. So we had the first one, and then we thought, okay, we'll have another one, and we'll be creating a playmate for the first one. But really what we did is created the first kid's arch nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> Superman, I'd like to introduce you to Lex Luthor. Welcome to, welcome to. Where well-being meets art. Where well-being meets art. Welcome to. Where well-being meets art. Where well-being meets wedding. And where they depart. And where they depart. Welcome to. Where well-being meets art. And where they depart. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to where well-being meets art. And where they depart. And that's the framing of the conversation. I think we've got a bit of a live wire here. Mr. Tom Stade. I'm really, thank you. Thanks for coming on, Tom. And, um, it's really my pleasure, Brett. My us. pleasure. I always love blabbing I mean, to the audience. Let's see what fucking right, vomit good. comes out of this mouth today. <laughs> that's, that's the way. Exactly. Vomit, yeah. knowledge, knowledge vomit. Yeah. <laughs> knowledge <laughs> <So>. vomit. <laughs> Well-being vomit, yeah. So, um, I mean, dude, I, I guess, let, well, let's just, let's, I mean, what are you working on right now? And let's start there, and then we can go back. Well, okay, Brett, well, creative-wise, uh, I'm, always, I'm always working on the next joke, dude. That is, that is my life. I'm always, I'm always working to make sure that 
The Tom State tour never fucking ends. Like, we've been touring every year. Not too many comedians can say this, but I've been touring every year probably since, I think, about 2007. You know, probably. I think that was when the first tour happened. I took one year off. But every, I just constantly am watching other comedians, getting a feel for what's out there, getting a feel for what the audience hungers for and and i'm always throwing that into whatever life situation i've got so it's always like this constant battle between what i really want to say and what the audience really wants to hear right so so right now i'm working on a show called natural born killer and that's the, that yeah and and it's um it's really i want to bring uh, the 90s sense of humor into 2023 because I think it's missing. Uh, comedy right now is missing an injection of pace. It's missing the fact that nothing is above mockery because apparently we're living in a time where apparently we, we aren't allowed to laugh at some things. <laughs> Which is really just a don't touch it sign for me. Ding. And and so so I'm writing a show that that I want it to be like a Voltaire. I totally I wanted to really make fun of of this how would I say this I guess in the in, in the best way, I, w- I want to make fun of the king without him knowing that I'm making fun of him, and that's where we're at right now. So so that is where my mind is creatively. So I've been getting off of social media quite a bit. I just I wanted to live like it was 1990. So it's like where do you 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 literally is it like? When I talk to artists writing songs, musos writing songs, and they're like, you know, there's a song anywhere. You never know when it's coming along. You're looking around at stuff all the time. Think yeah. Things are just coming to you. You've got to write them down. Do you take in a pad round with you everywhere you go and stuff like that? Since 1988, Brett, I've had a yeah. pad of paper on me since 1988. Nothing has gone without my gaze upon it, Brett. And uh, like I've got, uh, but I'll tell you this, Brett. Yeah. Oh, dude, uh, the the shit you write down, but you only know that maybe 10% of that shit is gold. But if you don't get all 100% of it, you won't get that 10%. Do you know what I mean? That's, I agree with you. I I didn't know Musos did that, man. And I'm friends with a lot of them, but I don't really ask them their creative process. I'm too busy getting hammered and watching them be rock stars. So when you're when you're when you're thinking right now about what the audience wants, how how do you how yeah. do you approach that? Well, that's an easy one, Brett. That is a that is a it's called it's called work in progress. So <laughs> I go to tiny like I, I love my tiny little coffee shop bars. Like the other day, we played a little place called the Leaf Depot. Nobody's fucking heard of it. It's a back room with a bunch of seedy motherfuckers. 
that just want to hear some low down comedy. So what I like to do is uh, I I double up. Uh, I do all these little tiny shows and and where I I feel like it's my safe space where I can say whatever the fuck I want without anybody losing their shit, you know, because once you get to a bigger audience, that's where things can get dangerous. But the whole fun of comedy is to be a little dangerous, you know, that was... That's my interpretation of it. I don't know if it's other people's. You know, I, I can only speak for, for me. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to ever assume I know what the audience wants. Even though I'm trying to give it to them, that's an impossible task. I want comedy to be something said that, that shouldn't be said, but you're always thinking it. You know what I mean? You've got those, those deep, dark thoughts in your head that, that make you laugh. But you're like, oh, my God, if I said that to anyone, they'd think I'm a fucking mental case, man. So I'm wondering how you deal with, because leading on from that, you're, you're going to have some awkward scenarios, I imagine. Like, I, I'm, 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 I'm hearing that you go for your little test runs. You, you're doing little sort of almost focus groups, and then you might go to a big theatre with it when, when you've kind of sorted out what, what works and what doesn't. But, I mean, in those times when you're, when it, it comes out of when something comes out of your mouth and you and you realize no one's fucking laughing i mean how the fuck do you deal with that man like a yeah a joke a joke bombing like a yeah 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 <laughs> my, yeah it's a, the fucking that happens on a daily basis brett don't be fooled wow. by what the internet or tv shows you okay the TV no, and the internet no. will always show you them laughing. They'll never show you them bombing. But I guarantee on the two-minute clip that those cunts pick out to put on the internet, they don't show you the whole 20 minutes. And, and it's just a phrase that every comedian knows. You're not getting out of this alive. Do you know what I mean? You're just not. Okay, so get that through your fucking head because you are throwing yeah. out opinions, man. But what you do do is when a joke dies is you stand your fucking ground because what I always remind the audience, what I always remind the audience is that everything I say tonight, I have laughed at. I have laughed at. So what I'm really looking for are other like-minded people. So can, can you give me an example? One of the bombs that really sticks out for you, you know, like, like one of those that you kind of live with. It's just too many, man, too many. Like not, not every all, idea yeah. you have is, is going to fly, man. So have you, had a, have you kind of had any sort of cancel culture affecting you or anything like that? Have you every now and then, yeah. Difficult moments? Every now and then. Yeah, every now and then, man. I mean, you throw out the word gay or retarded or something like that. You know, like those are those are trigger words for for somebody to latch on to. You know what I mean? So there there've been a there've been a couple, but I don't want to get into them because it, 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 if I talk about them, it give, it gives them power. You know what I mean? So yeah, I just yeah, yeah. I just yeah. sort of starve them out because, look, 
here, here's the real fucking, here's the real thing. I will outlast your club. I will outlast your manager and I will outlast your fucking staff. So whatever's like in a very Buddhist sort of way, you know, everything comes to an end and I'll be there to fucking watch it. And then, you know, and then it just starts up again. Like, I can tell you one from the past. One time I was banned from a Brighton comedy club. Uh, and two years later, the manager wasn't there. The staff really wasn't there. And it was really just one guy, manager guy. And then as soon as he left, I was back in. You know what I mean? That's, that's just the way it is. And that, that would go with any musician kind of thing, too. I mean, there's lots of, like, the bands that have been around for 10 years will go back and play a bar that they were banned or whatever. It doesn't really matter. To me, that that's just so superficial. That's just some fuck having his ego wank, going, look what I did to Tom. <laughs> you think I care? <laughs> What you what you think you think there's not a hundred other clubs to play, you don't fuck. <laughs> okay, take care. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go smoke a joint in your parking lot. <laughs> mm. So look, this, this, this all I'm hearing is a very, very ballsy attitude, take no shit, do your thing and 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 just and, and not overthink you know, obviously you're thinking about the audience but not overthinking that. So where does that resilience come from and like can you can we go back maybe go back to your past and you know where yeah. do you build that into yourself you know where did that come from do you reckon from like sort of the first time <laughs> you felt like that's you this is tom well okay yeah 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 way back in 1988 <laughs> i first walked on stage sonny it was uh it was a, it was a hard times back in 88 <laughs> like comedy was just still fresh evening at the improv had just showed up and the comedy wasn't just going on Johnny Carson anymore. It was a comedy central. And well, now, wait, every time you go on stage from 1988, the problem, here's the real thing, is that, of course, you build up this skin because you realize, here's, here's the honest truth. Is how, and the question is, just so I get this right, is how do you get that ballsy attitude? Is that right? Is that the question? Yeah, yeah that really The question is, is the question is, the, the answer is, is that I've seen more audiences than they've seen of me. There's nothing an audience can do to scare me because I've seen more than they've seen me once. I've seen thousands of them. So it's just it's just all about the more stage time you get, the your your skin becomes a little bit harder. My son, there's a good one that my son said. He goes, if you took uh, entertainment like it was an RPG game, like Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, are you familiar with Dungeons and Dragons? Because yeah. I'm a geek. Yeah. I've been yeah. I play that since 1983 when it first came out. I had an assassin called Bullseye until Guy Dickey killed him. Fuck you, Guy Dickey. And 
But he goes, entertainment's like that too, right? Uh, you know, like, so uh, Mason would say it like this. He would go, okay, so to get to, to be a level one comedian, right? It doesn't take that many experience points to get to level two. You know what I mean? It's only 100 or something. But he goes, Dad, you're a level 36 comedian. Fuck it. You know, it would take a lot for you to level up to 37. You know, and that's why these the audiences are usually level five. And maybe I might meet a level 10 audience, which fucking might wound me a little bit. But I'm definitely going to win in the end. So that I thought always that was a great analogy for showbiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I thought that was perfect, great. actually. I mean, there's a couple of questions. There's obviously like, how did you realize that you wanted to go into that, and and was there challenges with the people around you saying, "What the fuck are you doing, Tom?" Well, now we're gonna have to go back even further, okay? Because this is something I'm gonna be real honest with you. I've lied to a lot of people on a lot of interviews because it didn't bother me. But I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> so my mom and dad got divorced at a very early age when I was but but they had the best divorce like you like when I see some divorces I'm like fuck man my parents got along fucking fabulous like they just didn't want to fuck each other anymore <laughs> they're like I'm tired of your cock and get the, why don't you and, and he was like I'm tired of my cock too but, but they 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 did one wonderful thing. They had me, and you know, blah blah. So so they so I lived a very with a single mom, and I very rarely had any rules put on me. I was fucking you know hammered at thirteen, you know, drinking at thirteen. That I was small town. Really good friends, fucking, we were always laughing. I was high school president, believe it or not, when I was 16 in my junior high. Uh, I dropped out of school. Uh, my mom wanted me to be an actor because I was really good at acting for a little while. And so I went down to, and this is a famous story, I went down to the CBC for what they call a general casting call to audition for what the fuck ever. I was almost at 21 Jump Street until I realized you needed an agent. <laughs> That's how naive I was. <laughs> but then I, that night, uh, I went, I went down a couple buddies, uh, said, why don't we go down to the comedy club? And I went down and I'd never been to a comedy. Well, I had, I've been to a comedy club in bars. Do you know what I mean? Like where I grew up, there was no comedy clubs. There was just, we used to listen to Sam Kinison and fucking Bill Hicks on, on, uh, on CDs. And Sam Kinison's Louder Than Hell is still one of the funniest, funniest CDs I've ever heard in my life. We used to hotbox our car. All us, we, we were 16, just getting fucking super stoned like in a parking lot with the windows rolled up listening to this guy it's sand it's fucking we're gonna move you to where the food is right and we're laughing and when i was tree planting later on i went to a 
a place called, in Prince George, British Columbia, called the Overdrive, and I was underage drinking in there because when you're tree planting, you hang out with all these men, and then they just fucking you're coming to the bar with us, Tom. And we went and, I, and we saw this comedy show, and there was this guy Craig Campbell on there who turned out to be one of my biggest mentors in the world. Uh, so he. He he was performing there, and I I was like uh, I don't know seventeen eighteen maybe, and and we just we were laughing, we had drinks. So he fucking me and him just hit it off, and I hadn't seen him. So fast forward to me, so I go to punchlines that night, and fucking lo and behold, this guy I met a couple of years later earlier uh, was performing that night and fucking, and I just struck up. He took me out, fucking took me out on the town. We got fucking, I, I think we might've done acid that night, but you know, fucking, it was pretty awesome. And, and we just talked and, and he said, and he was the one that said, well, why don't you, know, while you're doing your acting thing, why don't you come down and just, fuck around on stage and he got me on the amateur night i went up there as a character called fish this drunk guy because i didn't know what the fuck i was doing you know like fucking walking into the first day on the job thinking you know how to do it and uh i just i fell in love with it and then i never i never fucking looked back brad that's that's how that's how that all happened because i realized Man, I can be my own director, actor, playwright, everything. It's all there, man. Because what you could, you would, would you book to, at the beginning, would you just fly off somewhere and, and just try and land yourself some gigs when you got there? Or, or were you, you actually, yeah. Now? Uh, is that kind yeah. of vibe? You just get going, yeah. Okay, once you get into the comedy business, okay, once you get in there, and once you start meeting people, that's where your real network starts coming from. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, do you know what I mean? Like, it starts yeah, out, hey, I got yeah, a gig yeah. up in Prince George, there's a gig in Williams Lake, and all of a sudden, oh, there's a hey, Tom, do you want to go to Calgary? And you're like, I've never been to Calgary. Of course, I got, well, I got a gig in Calgary. And it's like, hey, I got a gig in Winnipeg. I've never been to Winnipeg. Yeah, I'll we'll go to Winnipeg. Hey, I got a gig in Singapore. Are you fucking kidding me, man? Yeah. Of course I'm going to Singapore. And that's, you know, that's how that works in the beginning. And then you get a reputation, and then you get an agent. And then once you get an agent, that's when things fucking really start blowing up for people. If, if you got a good one, anyways. Yeah. How long did that journey take you? Like, it hasn't from, stopped from yet. Planting trees, planting trees to an agent. Oh, that took about, let's say, probably four or five years. I think five, maybe. Yeah, but from 87, so I got my first agent with uh, with Yuck Yuck's Comedy Club represented me in Canada. Right. So so that would yeah, I was one of the youngest too. I remember that. That was I was like really I was only like 21 or yeah, about 21 when they signed me up, man, because I caught on to it really fast too. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it like, sounds like within, it. Sounds within, quick. Yeah, I wasn't great. 
I wasn't great, but I was better than 60% of the other comedians. And not only that, being better and being that young, you know, like a lot of the guys that were better than me were already doing it 10 and 20 years. Do you know what I mean? And I've, I just sort of skipped up to the ladder to be the bottom of those guys, which was really awesome. And, and once I got with them, then all of a sudden, Yuck Yucks uh, toured me all over Canada and any gig they had overseas and all that sort of shit. So, and they paid me like really crazy money that I'd never seen, but not like crazy millions of money, but for a kid from yeah. Quinnell, British Columbia, if you're making like, fucking probably $700 a night in in 19 in 1991 yeah, or 92 was yeah, fucking yeah. crazy yeah I was pretty fucked up man I liked to party too when wow. my body could handle it Brad when my body yeah, could yeah. handle it I'd push I drove this motherfucker like it was a fucking like a Formula One race car and I didn't even go into a pit stop. Did that get oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you, you, you're earning quite a lot of bucks. You're on stage making people laugh. You're a 21-year-old kid. So how how do you balance the ego situation? Or did you or did you not and like that? You can't. No, you can't. You're on top yeah. of the world. You're on top of the fucking yeah. world, man. Fucking everybody wants to be in your company. You want a whole court. Can't stop talking. Think you're the greatest. Need to tell everybody you are. Fucking for sure. All, all the... All the pitfalls, all the mistakes that I could have made, I totally made. Every single one of them, not a doubt in my fucking mind, man. But I was, that, yeah. I was still friendly. I wasn't an asshole. Okay. You know what I mean? I've all, I, I, I helped everyone that has ever come across my path. And I, I always because you know, some I remember. You know, I and and I did. I made all of them. They even affect me to this day. You know what I mean? Because when people see me. Mm. You know, they think, oh, stoner, party, or drug, we can't rely on this guy. You know what I mean? But, yet, I've never failed anyone. You know, every TV show I've ever done has been rock or whatever. But you always got that uh, little thing behind you. And, and it's, a, it's a poison chalice because people like to see you like that because they have this romantic vision of who you are. You know what I mean? But it's also detrimental because it's not who you are, but it follows you around like a monkey on your back. And I guess that's just the price I had to pay for that. And and you know what? I, I don't regret anything, to tell you the truth, man. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, obviously now, you know, you're established and it's all cool. But I'm, I'm thinking about those times when um, you're feeling judged or, and you're not giving a shit, right, at that point. Because you, you're just having a great time. So you know that there's there's some people judging you. But one thing you said that I found interesting is... I heard, I heard one thing, one thing, yeah. you know, kindness, while yeah. you're on a turbo one, you're also being nice, like you said, being nice to people while you're experiencing that. So that, that's, that's a, an interesting tip. Like, don't, don't be, do, don't do that. But you're obviously lacking awareness at those points when you're. Yeah. You're total crazy. lack of awareness. How, yeah. But that's also just being in your twenties as well, isn't it? I mean, of course it is. Not of course, it, you, yeah, when you're in your twenties, yeah. when you're in your twenties, Brett, there ain't no one but you. Okay, yeah, you yeah, are yeah. the and anyone to tell me any difference is a fucking liar. You know, but I mean, it's better. 
it's better to be that guy in your 20s, do you know what I mean, than the shy little guy, you know, that's worried and, you know, but but I think it's better to have that belief in yourself. It'll calm down as the years go on, as it always does. But, I mean, if you're going to be rip-roaring, it might as well be fucking in your 20s. Go and live them, man. You know what I mean? Because, that, like I say, that's, that was one of the things. Like, I don't regret any of it. I, I had the, the best time. The best traveling the world, getting hammered, going fucking i met my wife for fuck's sakes in my 20s i met a gorgeous girl married her in vegas while i'm loaded been with her still fuck she's at the dump today didn't think we'd get to that part in our relationship when we were fucking on the road you know and i'll tell you why i'll tell you why you'd be nice to people man is because i had a few cunts i had a few cunts that were real dicks to me fucking like that are my age now that felt very threatened by me you know they they did and and the way they fucked with my head or tried to uh, really affected me so now when i see younger comedians or anybody in the entertainment industry i always put myself in their shoes do you know what i mean okay so this is a younger tom talking to an older tom well what would i want to hear from older tom well i'd want to hear some encouragement and something nice and and you know some, help me out in some way so that's the way when i'm talking to uh, anyone in this business unless i think you're a real proper fucking asshole then i'll just be polite to you but most of the time I'll always encourage you and and maybe uh, give you a piece of unwanted advice that you don't fucking need, but but I'll give it a go anyways, you know, and I'll I'll, I'll try and help you because I do know that everybody who tries to who gets into this wants to be successful. You know what I mean? They don't want to. They don't want to pound anybody else down. They just want to be successful for themselves, and they're grateful for any help that they can get, man. Well, yeah, next round. Well, when you're, I'm just um, thinking about the community of comics, touring. So, uh, how, no, I'm just thinking about touring, like, like with comedians, when you're young, when you're in that mode, yeah. and, and, and how friendly that environment is or not for you when you're sort of in your sort of nurturing, trying to get with the, get with how to do this thing and make it your profession. How how is that with the other comedy? Because you're saying, okay, I try and give advice as older Tom, but if you're surrounded by kind of other Toms at that stage who are all yeah. getting loaded and fucking, you know, having their experience what it real and bad. just thinking about themselves, yeah, I mean, was it supportive environment or was it hostile? Well, okay, here's where my time traveling comes in, seeing how I've been through three different decades. Uh, yeah. when I, when it, when, here's one thing that people don't realize. Like when I first started, you as an amateur comedian, you weren't even allowed in the green room. Let's talk about the green room itself, okay? Okay, the green room was only for professional comedians, and you had to 
earn your right to be in that green room. But once you got into that green room, you're all peers. There's, uh, I mean, there's a little bit of competition, but it's more competition about who's going to be the funniest, not who's going to get what, because you're going to get what anyways. And plus, you like to make other, back then, you like to make other comedians laugh. It's a, it's, that is, to watch a level 36 comedian make another level 36 comedian laugh is a fucking feat, man. It's an amazing feat. So, so back then, there was camaraderie. And the reason there was, was um, it, it was because it was what you were saying before when you go, how did people react when you wanted to get into comedy? Because comedy wasn't, uh, as mainstream as it is now, you know what I mean? Like comedy was this seedy little Richard Pryor did it. Lenny Bruce did it. You know what I mean? There's not a big future in it. There's no pension. It's scary. All of this sort of stuff. So I wouldn't, they weren't really worried about that. You know what I mean? Back then. But as you go through time, You'll, you'll see that comedy does become more mainstream. People start seeing it as a viable way to make a living. So it's losing its art form to a way to make a living. And now we're at the point where I don't feel like I'm... And, and there's always exceptions. You know what I mean? There are really great comedians now that love comedy, that love it for the art that it is. But there's a lot of majority who also take advantage and can see that it's an easy way to make a living now. Because, and, and not only that, you know, that like one of my good friends, you know, actually said this, that they've taken over the, the green room used to be for comedians, but now they've taken over the green room by numbers. So, so the green room isn't really for comedians anymore. It's for, you know, whoever is on that stage, whether they've had the proper stage time to be there or not, you know? So, so for me, you know, it, it's just, it, it's not as the, some green rooms are great when you when you have like old friends in there. Do you know what I mean? But when you walk into a green room now with uh, all the the newer comedians that are shooting for their goal, and here's another thing I want to say about that is that I'm also not 20 living in this time. Do you know what I mean? I'm 20 living in this time. Everything's going to seem normal to you. You're going to be talking about these times. Mm. 30 years from now like they were the greatest you know so we gotta always keep that in mind and this is just coming from history right so and now I just I, I do find that the comedy world is very competitive now very competitive because like I was saying back then you know you could get gigs to other comedians because there weren't a lot of gigs but there also weren't a lot of comedians and what's changed now is there's still not a lot of gigs, but there's a fuck of a lot of comedians. So so it, it, it's become a little more competitive, and going out there and making another comedian laugh, you might give away some of your shit to somebody else who doesn't have the scruples 
that are proper and and holds his cards close to his chest and the next thing you know he's saying something that you said in a green room because he doesn't have that creative uh flow juice yet through experience or he's just not cut out for it you know what i mean so uh, I, I think comedians nowadays, they're very cordial to each other. They're very kind and polite and all that sort of stuff. And, and always you're going to have two comedians that are best buddies in that green room that are going to be having a laugh and the other three are going to be wondering what the fuck they're talking about. But I do, I do think that uh, the camaraderie is not there as much as it used to be just for the fact that it is such a uh, competitive market. So it sounds like it's got that, that what you were saying about these sort of people that might not have done their time, but they see a formula that works and they, they know it's kind of yeah. more like a, like a pop song. They know how to fucking write the thing that's going to get the audience. So it, it, it's take, I, I, I get that. And that I'm wondering yeah. whether the, the underground is still there though, where, where it's all. Oh Yeah. You know, dangerous shit and bubbling away, and that that you then, you then space, you go back there sometimes to to go back that down and dirty with the the grass, you know, the more exciting, edgy um, places. Is that yeah. that thing? How well you keep keep connected to the comedy <laughs> uh, sort of industry that you like, I guess. Well, yeah, uh, let's fucking start with the underground thing. Of course there is. Like, I'm one of the most famous underground comedians because I haven't, people see me on TV, but they don't realize that I haven't been on TV for about 10 years now because TV's changed, okay? Like, when you watch all the shows now there is not decibels. Are you fucking kidding me? Fucking all these just stupid shows with, I mean, and some of the comedians on there, again, I always have to say this. There are some exceptions, but in the most part, it's fucking just a bunch of lame shit. But what we were saying before, there is safe. a formula. So safe. There is a formula for getting on TV. You know, you you play their game. You say the night right things. You 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 say the nice things. Like you're not really doing comedy. Like like you wouldn't impress Richard Pryor. You wouldn't impress Bill Hicks. You wouldn't impress with uh, Sam Kinson. You wouldn't impress George Carlin. You wouldn't do any of those things on TV. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, even live at the Apollo, again, couple dudes, but most, you know, I think most people would agree with me. And, and, and maybe the ones that aren't doing so good, maybe they're budding comedians that just got on there a little too soon before they were ready. Or it's, it's people that just know how to work the system. Kudos to them, too. But, yeah, TV is, it's, it's a... It's a box ticking exercise. Whereas you go to, and the reason I made that decision, I don't do corporates anymore either, Brett. I made the fucking, what I, what I realized is that I'm going to take this bit of fame that I have uh, through TV, like I, I took from it, but you know what I mean? I, I took what I needed from 
being on TV to bringing it to the stage. And then once I started touring every year, all of a sudden you see the crowds grow bigger and bigger and bigger. So, and that is my underground. And I, and I made, I made it, I grew it uh, organically. So with a, a little bit of TV was the jump start over here. But then after that, I took care of my garden and I grew it and I grew it. And, and I'm a touring comic, not because of TV, but because I'm out there every night. And once you're not on TV, all of a sudden, to go back to the other side, is I have carte blanche to say whatever I want. You bought a ticket to see me. I didn't come on your TV show to fuck you up in your living room. You came here to get fucked up, which is a thing. And, and, and there's so many great comedians right now out there that are saying some fucked up shit, man. But I love it. So I was just thinking about that. The, the, it's interesting to make that comparison about the... Um... I, I I know a band that had a hit record, but they weren't really meant to have a hit record. If you if you know what I mean, in terms of yeah. they were their folk band, they had a hit record. It's Niz Loppy, right? And they had that JCB tune, right? That went fucking stratospheric. So right. then they step them. They're fucking serious musicians, right? And then they then then the gigs are full of people going the J, the fucking JCB song, and they're like Jesus, we got got loads of albums you know look oh, all the other ones can i not do yeah. them anymore you know so yeah. i can imagine that you although you get the injection from the tv of all this crowd suddenly you've got you, them coming to your gig and you, you're doing all this far out non-tv material and they're just like what the fuck what the what about the um the married songs skit you know that that let's yeah. do that one again for us you know so oh. yeah, I mean, did you did you notice that you you saw that happening? Of course you do, man. Of course you do. But that that is that you got them there through a meat van joke. You got them yeah. there through an Argos joke. Once you get yeah. to me, then I can groom you a different way. But comedy's a little <laughs> bit different. Comedy groom you. Comedy's yeah. a little bit different than bands, okay? Because bands are fucking really attached to their hit songs, okay? One of my, I was telling you this earlier, I, one of my really good friends is the Kasabian drummer and Chris, too, the, oh, the bass yeah. player. I'm really good friends with those guys. And yeah. I, I asked him the same question one time. I said, you know, like, Every time you come out with a new fucking album, you know what I mean? Everybody, every concert I've ever seen wants you to do Clubfoot, you know, and all that shit. And, yeah. and what he said to me made real sense to me. He goes, he goes, the new song now, two years later, will be the song that they're singing at that concert. You know, he goes, okay. we play the new song, a couple of the new songs that we really like, because those will be the classics two years. They may not like them now. They may go, fucking, we don't know all the words to it, so we can't sing it. But two years down the line, we'll play that same song that we played tonight, and people will be having their 
fucking lighters up and singing that song with them because that will be the hit of the future. They just don't know it yet. And in a way, that's the difference between comedy. I can get you right away because all I have to do is get you in my way of thinking. And once I once you're out of the meat van way of thinking and all of a sudden you realize there's TV, Tom, and then there's stage, Tom. You know what I mean? Because I to get on TV, I had to play that game, man. I did. I did. And I knew how to play it well because... Because in Canada, I was on all over TV in Canada. So it wasn't like I wasn't um, stupid to what was going on. It's just that, you know, I just um, I just chose a different course after it happened. You were balancing with compromise, right, I guess. So so you, 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 you did it for a bit and then went, I don't, I don't want to compromise anymore. Is that, is that yeah. the, the sort of decision? Yeah, that's pretty much it. And most of my fans would say that's a very true thing. And and they like that. That's what they like about me. You know what I mean? They so they that's the one of the Yeah. Just let me take my yeah. panties off. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting a little tight with all this truth talk. Yeah. <laughs> um uh yeah. So no, I just did it for a ribbing there, yeah. Dude. Yeah, man. No, of course. You squirm. You're squirming when we talk about your truth. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so disgusting. <laughs> my truth after that. After all the TV stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, totally amazing. Yeah, I mean, and that, yeah. that's, and I'm very lucky to do. About... I'm very lucky it happened the way it did. I'll, I'll also say that fucking a lot of people have gone down that path and it didn't work out for them too well. So I'm very okay. lucky and grateful and grateful to all the people. Because here's the other thing. Here's the other thing, Brett. I've partied with most of my fans. I, I never walk out the back door after a show. Oh, I always no. grab my okay. grab my uh, rucksack there, and I jump off the stage, and I walk out of the theater with them. And then we go to the lobby and we have some beers and they tell me some of they tell me great stories about me, which I don't get from my family, even though I've done more for them than the audience. And they wonder why I love strangers more than them. Because I know you too fucking well and I have to see you every day. Okay, so then I, I'm just thinking about the, the closing the circle off the twenties when you when you were going through the crazy times. I just wanted to uh, and coming out of, of that, by the way, yeah. I just wanted to say as well that, that I hear a strong decision that you made, which is why, you know, when you say I'm lucky and all that, and I'm like, well, you made that call of actually fuck TV now. I'm going to I'm going to go and carry on doing what the, the comedy I want. So I think, you know, maybe the impact of that, a very, very clear decision at some point is, is helpful, you know, to. To, to carve that path, it's a power move, I think. Well, yeah, that 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 was because I I had to make the decision on what kind of comic I was going to be. That you know what I mean. It's not like I shunned yeah, yeah. TV. It's just the kind of person, the kind of I wanted to be Bill Hicks. I wanted to be those guys. I wanted and and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Just because T again, just because TV's like that now doesn't mean it's always going to be like that. Mm. As soon as people get bored of it and start tuning it out, 
you know those execs will change their tune. You know what I mean? It's just right now, this is the environment we're living in. And, and I'm not really a part of that environment. And, and, and you know what? Again, to some people on that TV, maybe the best comedians in the world. They love that pop shit. They love it. They love it. They can't fucking get enough of it. And good for them. I'm not them. You know what I mean? And, and, and if that's what they like, again, that's what they like. But I'm not saying that we won't ever go back on TV. What I am saying is when we do, it has to be the right vehicle. And that's what I, and, and I just, I just haven't seen it yet. And I'm not really, I'm not really in a rush to go and find it either because I'm still, I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing right now, you know, and, and I'm not hurting in any way. There's the other thing. There's another thing that helps me, to that I am not hurting uh, creatively. I'm not w hurting love-wise. I've got lots of love. I've got a lot of beautiful friends in my life, and I ain't hurting show-wise. Do you know what I mean? I've got my beautiful migration theater path that I play every fucking year. That just like We've got 82 dates this year. 80. I am going to some pretty fucked up towns, and I'm more the best. If I've never heard of your town, I am fucking coming there. So then, in which case, when you're talking to these young comedians and you're offering your unsolicited advice because you feel like that's the thing that you should be doing, what the fuck do you say to them? Given given that that you, it sounds. I mean, look at your path. It sounds like you've not just the lucky in the career vibe, but in the way that you've managed yourself through those crazy rock and roll times and got to where you are with a family and, you know, still rocking it and touring, you know, that, that's, that, that means that you, when you are talking to these sort of young comics, what are the sort of things that you're, what sort of advice are you actually able to give them? Um, in most in, of the in, time, sort of different contexts. Most of the time, you just somebody just needs to hear somebody else say that they're great. That's number one. That's what I've learned. Okay, but for the most part, is what I'll do is I still watch all these young comedians. Like I, I'm a I'm a fan. As much as I am uh, a, 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 a comedian out there, I'm also a, still a fan of comedy. I like watching new young comedians. I like watching what direction they're taking this world because I don't want to become irrelevant and not know what mm. what's out there. Do you know what I mean? Because that is a danger of getting old. And most of the time, what I do is if I see a joke that, that I think is really good and I have a tag for it, I'll walk up and I'll go, I know I, do, I you know, fucking, but I got a tag for one of your jokes that I think would be really fucking great. Uh, do you want? Do you mind if I tell it to you? I don't want to step on your toes or anything. And they're always like, oh, please, fucking please. And then just give them a nice little tag that makes that joke a little bit better. And then you've done some good in this world for that person, you know? Like, Or you're a dick and, and you see the joke and you know exactly where it should go and you don't tell the fuck. Those are the cunts. Those are the cunts because they're scared. Yeah, yeah. But again, again, I don't have that fear on me. I'm not in the bear pit. I might be like that if I was 20 now. Going fuck you. I need to get on guessable. 
So did you find yeah. that you were a bit more like that in your 20s then? Did you a bit more like... No, you know, no, no, no. Um, no, because again, it wasn't the yeah. same. This is what we were talking about. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. the same marketplace. Yeah. It didn't have that same competitiveness that uh, we were worried about. The only competitiveness that happened back then was on stage. You wanted to be the funniest that night. You you wanted, like, if I was the opener, I wanted to be so funny that the headliner couldn't fucking follow me. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, man, I mean, it, 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 just thinking whether you'd actually go into comedy now if you were 20 or 16 or whatever, you know. Not a doubt in my mind. the landscape. Not a doubt in my mind. It's one of the yeah, it's yeah. one of the great thing, joys of this world is giving somebody uh, a laugh, giving somebody a good time, giving somebody the night of their life, giving somebody a night that they're going to talk about, giving somebody a moment. Maybe they maybe I'm their first date they ever went on and. You are like I hear that a lot. Fucking, and we come and see you every year, because this yeah. was the anniversary of our first date. Those are the joys mm. that come back to me in spades. That uh, that you know makes me think that no matter what year, what generation, I know the young Tom. As soon as he sees comedy. The, the, this would be the rest of his life. That's what he's going to do. There's no doubt in my mind. So if I was 20 now, I'd be kicking fucking ass. I'd be fucking, I'd be on every cattle show. Getting, yeah. nah, I'd be playing the game right now. <laughs> Don't want to be too controversial in the beginning. Right. Like you haven't established who we are yet. The thing is, is that, um, you know, the pattern that I see is, is, the difference between doing art as a self-indulgent act or doing art as a gift to, to others, you know, and it sounds gift like to others. that tip that you've been on. Yeah. But that sounds like, you know, the center of being well as a person and being able to sustain the thing is actually yeah. the, 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 the give it. Do you think that was always the way from the, from the, from the word off, like just enjoying being able to make people laugh or was it actually also, Hey, I'm pretty fucking cool if I can make everyone laugh. You know how the balance of those two things is it is interesting and whether they've changed over time. I think I think that's a universal thing. I think you start out in this business for you. And the reason you start out in this business for you is because you have to figure out who you are. You know, you have to uh be there for you. You have to love you. You know, so it's all about you. But as time goes on and you do realize who you are, then once you do that, then you can give that gift to other people. That's I think that's what we're saying. You know, you, yeah. you have to you have to figure out who you are first. So, yeah, in the beginning, I did comedy for me. Of course I did. Fuck the audience. Yeah, and to get good. <laughs> I had to get girls. Yeah, <laughs> I had to get laid. I had to get free drugs. You know, there's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of other factors yeah. going on at the time. Get some sort of but, social credit. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. All yeah, but, that. yeah, but now, now in my uh, now in my fifties, man. It, no, I can't. I can't. I I very rarely think it's me anymore, man. It's it's definitely all. 
it's all about who comes to that show, and I want to make sure that they they have the time of their lives if they if I can, or they can hate my guts. I wish I would stop doing this to people. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, man. Wow, I think that's uh, I think that's that's good. That's a good chat. I think we can pause, oh. pause it. Thanks for coming okay. on, man. I think we'll uh, we'll put details of no all your stuff in the, are in the show notes. Put it all down there. You you know we'll have links to uh, you know all the gigs in these uh, crazy towns. Yeah, amazing. Anything yeah, that yeah. can help, yeah, man. man. That sounds fabulous. Thank you so much, guys. Yeah. It was a real Thanks pleasure. So we'll much, do it man. again one time. Great. Yeah, great nice to chat. Great to chat. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a five-star rating. And if you want to help other people find the podcast, you can leave a review. Only takes 20, 30 seconds. That would be lovely. See you next time.